With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of SB Nation's The Dream Shakes, The Dream Take Podcast. My name is Mike Brown. I have the pleasure of being joined by my very talented co-host once again, Mr. Jeremy Brenner. Jeremy, what's going down? Man, it's crazy. So recording this Sunday night, season starts Wednesday. I'm pretty excited about the season starting. I mean, I'm, I'm excited every year, don't get me wrong, but there's something different about this year versus the last two years where there's so many storylines to this season that I'm very excited slash nervous slash, you know, insert adjective here of how it's going to break down. How does Jabari fit in with Jalen? Kevin Porter Jr. doesn't have his deal done yet. You know, there's news today coming out from Jonathan Fagan about Alperen Shingun may fit the Rockets' offense best off the bench. So that's a new story that I think you and I need to get to. But the purpose of tonight is to is to get into our favorite storylines of the year. What are we most looking forward to this year? And also to give an official prediction as this is our last show before the season starts. Once again, this season, we are very proud at the Dream Take that we are going live after every single Houston Rockets game. So every night that there is a game, either myself, Jeremy, both of us together, there will be a show that night for you to listen to live here on Spotify Live, and we will publish it that same night. So really excited for another season of that. Uh, but let's get right into it, Jeremy. Um, I, I want to start with that news today. Did you happen to catch that article from Jonathan Fagan? Jeremy, are you there? Okay. Well, Jeremy's having a little technical difficulty, so I will continue to go until we are able to get Jeremy back. Um, but the the story, let's see if Jeremy is now. Jeremy, can you hear us? Yes. Can I hear you? Oh, my man. Okay. It's weird. It's weird because it showed me like talking and I was on whatever. No, it works. So did you happen to catch the article from Fagan today from the Houston Chronicle? Yeah, I did. Um, Your thoughts? A little, a little surprising, um, but mm-hmm. not like super surprising, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to know what you think. Um, I mean, well, I mean, to be honest, man, look, I, I like Shangun. I like his fit on this team, but I've said it for 
literally since the day he stepped foot into the Rockets organization. He's not a center. He's, he's not. like, And the way that Silas runs his offense when he did it in Dallas, he never did it with a back-to-the-basket prototypical big man. And that's not Shangun. So I'm a little surprised by it as well because I would think that this offense would best fit a guy like Shangun because of his skills, which resemble not – he's not as good as Porzingis, but he reminds me of Porzingis. But I don't know, man. I'm a little conflicted, to be honest with you. Because the roster just doesn't yeah, make mean, sense right now. I and I think that's part of the problem. Well, well, yeah, but I think you can kind of look at it like this. Um, and the more I think about it, I think the more I'm, I'm interested in it. Only because mm-hmm. – um, you know, the Rockets don't really have, like, a backup point guard, right? Like, it's really, like, it, it could be Dacian Knicks, but you're not, like, super thrilled about the idea of that. And then on top of that, like, you know, Ty Ty's probably not there yet, but Shangun is a guy that can run an offense, I would say. And that's kind of his best fit. So moving him to the bench as kind of your point forward is an interesting way to build your rotation. Um, and I guess your idea would be, you know, it would give you an opportunity to start someone like KJ Martin or Jay Sean Tate. Um, so there's a bit of intrigue there. I mean, are we saying, oh, see, I go, I go another way on five? that. Is that what we're saying? No, doing so absolutely not. No, so Bruno, Fern- Bruno mind. needs to start. Ah, uh, no, no, no. Well, look, I mean, cause Bruno it, Fernando is not starting over Jay Sean Tate or KJ Martin. Absolutely not. Well, you've got a log jam. The problem is if you don't start if you don't start Shangun, the only guy you can start, in my assessment, my opinion, is Bruno Fernando. Because if you don't, Jeremy, you will get killed on the boards. I mean, you will get destroyed on the boards. But it also depends on on kind of who you play. I mean that's fair. But Jabari but Jabari Smith, Jabari Smith is not gonna get you killed on the boards, I would say. As a rookie, I mean, that's a massive ask of a rookie to take on that role. Because if you if you break down, I mean, let's go off of the Rocket schedule, right? Let me pull up the schedule real quick. Uh, Live podcast. Okay, so you play Atlanta on Wednesday night. You're going to go up against Capella. You play Memphis on Friday. You're going to go up against, uh, what, Steven Adams. You go up against Milwaukee. You're going to have to go up against Brooke Lopez. Yes. Um, Utah, eh. Portland, you can get away with it. Jabari Smith ain't covering DeAndre Ayton when you play Phoenix. You know, I, I think it's matchup based. I don't disagree with you that I think that Jabari can hold his own a decent number of nights. But you also – Bruno is the perfect guy to play with that five because he's a guy that doesn't need the ball at all. He'll just go rebound and do his best to defend the bigs. Yeah, I mean, it's the way I see it. I'm, I look, I'm not starting Bruno Fernando over Jay Shante, Alperon Shengun, and KJ. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I see. I, I get it. Like, like, and Bruno, Bruno should be lucky to get minutes. Honestly, no, maybe no, 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 no. is going to start. <laughs> no. Maybe they'll start Garuba and they'll play him, you know, like 10, 15 minutes at the beginning of the game. And then that's kind of it. 
Like he'll play the first six minutes of the first half. He'll play like three minutes in the second quarter. Then he'll play six or so minutes in the third quarter. And then you get three minutes in the fourth or something like that. I don't think Garuba is in your closing lineup. I think Shangun is your closing five. Um, but maybe the start, I, I, I could see... Yeah, I would I would say possibly because because Garuba is is a guy who crashes the glass. So that's a guy, and and that's literally his his primary responsibility is to crash the glass. So if you're looking at this, I would say get Garuba in there, get get five good minutes out of Garuba, and then go to Shangun, allow him to run the second unit, or run like run with Kevin Porter, and then have him as kind of like your secondary guy. I don't know. It's interesting. Like I could see, I could see that. Like I could, I, I personally think that you should start your best five. And I think Shangun is part of your best five. So I wouldn't necessarily be for this idea, but now that I'm starting to kind of play along with it and see a world where it could be, I, I can understand it. Well, so but here is, yeah, here's where I'm going to push back against that a little bit. If they don't believe in Fernando, the way that you're describing it, two things. Why are they playing him so much in the preseason? And number two, why would they give him a four? Well, I know, but I'm saying that even in the games that they're using to get most ready for the regular season, he's playing a big number of minutes. They also got rid of Willie Cauley-Stein, which is an interesting move. I mean, it was interesting bringing him in at the time that they did. I don't think it worked out physically. But that's another thing that right now the only guys that are going to get legitimate minutes at the big spot is Shangun, Fernando, and Garuba. And if they, why would they give him a four-year deal if they don't think that he's a legitimate part of this rotation? Jeremy, we lost you again, dude. Uh, but we'll keep you up on stage in case we can get you back. I mean, that's my question is you can't start a guy like a, like an Usman Garuba. Giving Garuba legitimate minutes scares the hell out of me because he can't. Stay, he's shown that he can't stay healthy. I mean, if he is healthy as well. I mean, obviously. Obviously, if he's not healthy. Yeah, for sure. But uh, Yeah. I just I like what Bruno does, man. I mean, every time he's on the court, he brings good energy. He doesn't need the ball on offense, and he does exactly. But to start, I mean, you and I both know. I mean, starters. I mean, the most important thing is finishing the game, and I think that Shingun's a liability on the defensive end right now. He can't not foul his guy more times than not, and he has to. And he has to have the ball in his hands to be successful, per the article from Jonathan Fagan. Like, are Which... we saying the purpose of Shangun? I think a lot of it has to do with why you're, why you would play him with the second unit. Is it to be more of an offensive-minded uh, player on a unit where he can get more touches, or is it because defensively he's not up to par? I think it's both. I think I think per the article from Fagan, he makes a great point. The way that Shangun is most impactful on the game, he has to have the ball in his hands. Because if he doesn't, he's I'm not going to call him useless, but he's not good defensively. He's not a good rebounder. He's a great passer, and if you get him the ball, he can make things happen offensively. 
but you've got a lot of mouths to feed on that on that starting five between KPJ, Green, Jabari, Eric Gordon, for some unknown reason, is still there. Um, the three spot, whether it's KJ, I think Eason eventually is the starting three. He can be more impactful with his defense versus KJ. KJ has to have the ball in his hands to be impactful as well. So I think that, and it also comes down to the fact Shingun is not reliable enough on the defensive end to be your starting center. He just isn't. I think I think you're gonna have to look at it as a matchup based thing. And I think that's I think that's yeah. ultimately where the Rockets will take it because you know, obviously, like for Jabari, someone who can defend one to five, you don't necessarily wanna put him on a five because I feel like he might have more value as a perimeter defender. 100%. Um, a thousand percent, we should say. But I mean, I should say. if you put in, look, it depends. It depends who replaces Shangun in that lineup. That, that will be really telling because then we'll see kind of where the direction is. You know, if it's, if it's to start Tate, then I would say that the decision to do that is more offensive. Um, but if it's the decision to start Garuba, then it's, or excuse me, I should say, if the decision is to start someone like Garuba or Tate rather than Shangun, then it's more, okay, we just need more defense in that first unit. We're on the same page though, that we feel like this is happening, right? Like the timing of this is no, way, way too convenient. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily, okay. Interesting. I wouldn't necessarily say this is a slam dunk. Okay. Um, I think that this is something that they might explore early in the season based on matchups and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. I think Shengun is one of your best five players. So personally, if I'm Jeremy Silas, I'm sticking with Shengun in the five. And I, but I'm also gonna monitor the situation. You know, if if he is that much of a defensive liability, then I don't want him in the game. However, I think what he can do offensively, I think what the Rockets need to do, honestly if they're going to win a lot of these games, they need to blitz out of the gate and just score, score 25 points in the first eight minutes and force teams to play up with you or force them to catch up later in the game. When the legs are tired, like that is, that's a recipe to win for the Rockets right now. And I would say, I would say if Shangun is in the second unit, have a good reason for it and have good purpose for it. Yep. And make sure that the lineups that Shangun is with benefit him as well, so it doesn't feel like a demotion. It's also going to speak a lot to his maturity if he's able to handle that. Because him being as young as he is, I think he's very impressionable. And I think if you start the season putting him on the bench, that can have a real negative impact on his production. Yeah, I mean, it has a negative effect on KJ. We saw it. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, KJ, you saw it with uh, – you know, Wood last year, you know, when he had, and that's thus why he's not here anymore. Uh, but I also think you make a great point about matchups. I'm very intrigued to see when they play a team like Minnesota, what are they going to run out there? Because you can't, I mean, you're going to have to play Bruno in that game. I mean, heavy minutes, I would say. Bruno, Bruno would get more minutes against Minnesota than he would say. Right. Yeah. Uh, my, well. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you envision. Utah. Yeah, do you envision the most success for this Rockets team featuring, let's call it two bigs, 
you know, if you were to run a lineup out there of, let's say, KPJ, Green, Jabari, Bruno, and Shangun, or Garuba and Shangun, do you think that this team would be better off with that type of lineup? Or do you feel like run it out there with a lineup of Smith, Eason, Tate, KPJ, and Green? I would say run it with a lineup that is going to run. Because I also think another major recipe for success for Houston is to just outrun your opponent, win on, win in a track meet, win Mm -hmm. on the fast break, play like, don't like, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Steven Silas ends up playing like 11 guys a night. Like I know we're used to like those, you know, nine, 10 man rotations, but I think 11 guys have a, have a case to make, uh, to play consistent minutes. Give me those guys. Yeah, give me those guys. I would say this. This is this is how I would run my uh, how I would run the team. Okay. It would be KPJ. We were a motorized green starting in the backcourt. Mm-hmm. Uh, my three. No shocker there, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, my three would be Eric Gordon until he moves on. Um, my four is Jabari. My five is Shingun. And then, as my backups, I would say um, it'd be some combination in the backcourt with Josh Christopher. Josh Christopher is the first guard off the bench. I don't think that's a hot take. No. Um, Jay Sean Tate, Tari Eason, uh, Garuba. So those, that, that's probably your nine. I would say those are your first nine guys in the game, the five starters. And then you've got uh, Tate, you've got Eason, you've got Christopher, and you've got Garuba. And then I would say, hey, Bruno Fernando, get out there for 10 minutes. And I would probably say, hey, Dacian Nix, you as well. And then there's Garrison Matthews also. So, I, I, you know what? I would probably say this. I'd probably say there, are, there will be some – like, I don't think all three of Garrison Matthews, um, Bruno Fernando, and Dacian Nix will play every night. But I do think based on matchups, based on injuries, based on, you know, who has the hot hand, I would say two of those guys will play on – Every night. Well, you forgot about Boban, too. Boban's not playing. Well. And then, so what, you're going to send Ty Ty to the, to the G League? Ty Ty to the G League until an injury comes about or, um, or he proves himself. I don't, uh, think, uh, I don't think he's on that level yet. I think, I think Dacian Nix gets the shot first. Um, and until Dacian Nix proves otherwise, it'll be him. And then once he does, if he does, Ty Ty, you're up. And he's going to show that pretty quick because Deshaun Nix is not good. He just isn't. There, I, there's, there's nothing to his game that is impressive at all. I, I disagree with that. Okay. Um, there is something in his game. I, I, I feel, though, that he is struggling to adapt to the speed of the NBA game versus the G League. Look, he's a yeah. 4A player. He's, he is a 4A player at this moment in time. He's too good for the G League, but not good enough for the NBA. And he's going to need to figure that out. Otherwise, the NBA is not going to keep him for very long. Yeah, he's got he's to be able to shoot the ball better. I mean, last year he shot 27% from three. His frame doesn't make any sense to me, though. Very small sample size. Because yeah. if you're looking at this, Mike, like, yes, he struggled in the NBA, but he, had, like, he was the best player in the whole G League. So that's why, that's why I say 4A. Because 4A is really a good boy. He's literally too good for the G League, and he's not good enough for the NBA. No, it's a good, it's a good way to, it's a good way to, to look at it. Um, no, but I, I don't disagree with a lot of what you said. I do think 
what I'm most excited about, and this may seem crazy, I'm excited about Bruno Fernando, man. I, it's, it's so funny. You and I, I think, are on like opposite ends of, of the court on this, no pun intended. I think he's going to have a pretty big impact on this team. And I think it's pretty telling that they got rid of Willie Cauley-Stein as quickly as they did because I think they've liked what they've seen from him in preseason. I think he's performed really well in the preseason. Yeah, I, I do too. And that's not, that's not where it is. But for me, my thing with Fernando is I would much rather have Shangun and Garuba out there at this point. Okay. And, and I just like, they, and they spent, you know, like draft picks, like, like, Draft picks are a huge investment, especially in the first round. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me to say that the Rockets just uh, like Gruba and Shingen are in their second years. Second year, this, this, they haven't played a full NBA season yet mm-hmm. because Garuba was injured most of last year. So Garuba is basically a rookie again. Shingen has played enough to where he's basically almost not a rookie anymore. Um, but like, I don't like Fernando is not better than than. Shingun or Garuba. I mean, Ooh, I would argue on the Garuba front. Garuba well, hasn't shown us anything. But I think he has. I think he's. I think he's great. On look, I'll say this: Garuba is better defensively than Bruno. And um, and I'll say this: Garuba is better defensively than Bruno. Shingun is better offensively than Bruno. But Bruno is better defensively than Shingun and better offensively than Garuba. So he's like. Yeah, that's a good point. Wow that's a good way to put it. He doesn't wow you. Like, he's not a wow kind of player. He's not something that you have one skill that makes your whole game. He's he's good at a couple of things. And that can be valuable, but he's not great in one area for me. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight, we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's fair. Uh, we got we got a couple other fronts we need to get to just on this show. Um, what's your expectation for Eric Gordon? You know, on a nightly basis. Do you? Well, two part question. How soon do you think he gets moved? Do you think it's wait until the deadline before he's moved? Yeah. And what do you if that is the case, and that's where you do believe that he ends up ultimately getting traded? Nightly minute allocation. What do you expect to see from Eric Gordon on this team? up until he's no longer a rocket because in a contract year, he's going to be traded. I, I don't think, say, 
last the year, especially with what he said at, at media days? I would say somewhere between 20 and 30 minutes for Eric Gordon, okay. um, depending on how close the Rockets are in a game. So if the Rockets are close, more closer to 30 than 20, if the Rockets aren't close, closer to 20 than 30. Um, and I say like a good night for Eric Gordon is somewhere between 10 and 20 points. Okay. With, you, with, four, with four threes or something like that. Do you have a problem with that though? Like for no. me, I would much rather see Josh Christopher in those minutes. And it's yes, not or him or him or Tari Eason. But what Eric Gordon does is Eric Gordon helps with spacing. Like he's like he's a better version of Garrison Matthews, basically. So he's he's there to, you know, create space. Like he's he's a he's an excellent three-point shooter, you know, historically. So he's someone that you can't just leave out on the perimeter, forcing the the defense for the opposition to do something about him, which opens up the lane for Jalen Green, opens up the lane for Kevin Porter, opens mm-hmm. up space for Jabari Smith. You know, he's he's the kind of guy you have to scout for, you have to play against. You can't just ignore him. And that's the beauty of what he brings. Now, obviously, yes, Josh Christopher does have more upside. Josh Christopher um, has more of what the Rockets are trying to build. And there isn't to say that Josh Christopher or someone else can't build that space that, that Gordon can, but he's also a veteran. And I think that that also plays a role into why he has stayed for as long as he has. And I think I, but I also think that the Rockets are looking forward and they like, they've played this game with Eric Gordon for years now where it's like, Oh, we could trade you. Oh, but we don't have to, but this year it's not like that because this is the last year in his contract that is guaranteed. I believe I think yeah. next year is not guaranteed. So this is it. Like if you're, if you don't trade for him this year, if you don't trade him this year, you're essentially. You're going to lose him for nothing. Like the thing is they want, they want to use this cap space that they have for a player that's better than Eric Gordon or a player yeah. that makes more sense for their vision than Eric Gordon we hold so, the team option next year. Yes. So so there's no, like, the Rockets aren't going to be using that cap space for Eric Gordon. It just doesn't make sense. So that's why the team is going to move on from him this year. They have to. Yeah. Where, I, I, expect him, I expect him to play up um, and for them to play him pretty frequently as much as they can and hope that he plays well to try to get another first-round pick out of him. I think, like, they, they felt that he's worth a first-round pick for so long, and I feel like this year they, they have to do it. Just real quick to wrap up on the Eric Gordon front, where do you think he ultimately gets traded? Mm, it's tough to say just because it's so early in the year. Yeah. Um, but a team like Phoenix makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm not saying for DeAndre Aiden or anything like that, but um, you know, like if Phoenix is a buyer, uh, a guy like that makes sense for them. Um, you know, like I would say maybe even the Clippers, like a team that is is going to be fighting for a championship this year. I really do yeah. think. Um, Philadelphia, Philadelphia makes some sense. Yeah, Philadelphia makes some sense. Philadelphia, yeah. I wonder, I wonder, I mean, Philadelphia is so tough to trade with just because their salaries are all over the map. Like, I would love to get a guy like Matisse Thibel out of that deal, as unlikely as that would be. I would do whatever it took to to get Matisse Thibel here. Matisse Thibel is is an interesting case just because 
Yeah. You know, obviously defensively he's there, but like I don't necessarily like think that Matisse Thibel is going to be better than what Tari Eason could be. Yeah, that's a good point. That's the thing. That's a good like, point. Is like you know you want to get a guy, but I, I'm sure what they'll do is they'll probably trade him for an expiring contract, someone that you know they can get him off the books this year. Like they'll, what they'll do is basically this: they're going to trade for someone that's an expiring contract so that they don't have to necessarily play like a Dennis Schroeder or a Kelly Olynyk. There's going to be another guy like that on this year's team, but in a trade for Eric Gordon. That's going to be like a Dario Saric situation yeah, in, yeah, in, like in because, Phoenix. Because what they can do is they can, you know, keep Saric or whoever uh, on the team for the year. They don't necessarily have to play him uh, in favor of, you know, some of our younger guys. And then they'll just let him walk at season's end um, take the pick that we get from whoever, and then work that salary cap space. Do you feel like with everything that's gone on the last, I would say, 12 to 18 months, do you think that this is the last year of Steven Silas? Um, It depends on the team's record, obviously. Okay. Um, So if if you're basically saying, how? so what does Steven Silas need to do to keep his job safe? Well, I would I'm say, yeah, I would say it needs to be a 10 win improvement and like, but not just, a, not just a, a win loss improvement, like a, that is necessary, but also like, you know, you need to see that this, like, it's, it's how they're winning games, how they're losing games, I think is also going to be really important. Like if they're losing games, like they were towards the end of last year, where they were pretty much in every game, um, but they just couldn't get over that hump. Like, I think to me, that's the next step for this team is to, uh, you know, get your wins, but also lose competitively, like lose by five points on the road to a good team. That to me would be a good loss. Um, Losing by, you know, 20, like every night, like they were for, you know, the beginning of last season and for most of last season, like that to me would be staying where we were in order to take this next, in order to take this next step. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to play a lot more competitive games than they did last year. I feel like last year, it was either they were getting blown out, or they were barely winning. So I guess I should have rephrased it differently. Do you think at the going into next season, Steven Silas is the head coach? Um, yes, I do because I do think okay. that the team is going to take that next step. I do, and okay. I think Silas is. I think Silas deserves some credit for that. Um, you know, I think he had a really difficult time last year, but also like, I feel like the excuses are kind of running out for Silas, um, in terms of, you know, like, oh, he's had a new team and look, the team is still really new, but there is a lot of guys, like he returns a lot of guys from last year. Like he couldn't have said the same thing last year. Like last year they brought on four rookies. They brought on all those new guys, uh, this year, like most of the team apart from like Tari and Jabari and Tai Tai it's basically the same team. So he doesn't need to like reteach things to these guys or, or teach them to begin with. Mm-hmm. He's, he knows these guys, these guys know him. There's not going to be that learning curve that they had last season or the season before this year. Like the, the excuses, like he's going to have, like, there's, there's not going to be as many things to point the finger at, right. It's, it's like the only person that he's going to be able to point the finger at is himself. So 
you know, rubber hits the road this season for Steven Silas. Who do you think starts at the smallest forward position on Wednesday? Do you think it is Eric Gordon? Yeah, I do. Okay. It's such a missed opportunity, man. I mean, it's, it's such a missed opportunity by the organization. Yes, yes and no. Yes and no. It is because, yes, I mean, to the idea, like, you know, it would be nice to just kind of be like, you know what, throw Tari out there. Like, why not? You know, they don't really have much to lose. But I also think that part of it is, um, you know, you got to play Eric Gordon and you got to showcase him for the 29 other teams, prove that he still is someone that can be on a finals contender and try to get as much value for him as possible, you know, when the season comes out. There's a lot of reasons to play Eric Gordon. There's a lot of reasons to not play Eric Gordon. Yeah. I think the reasons to play him outweigh the cons. Do you think that Jalen Green is an NBA all-star this season? Um, it's tough because I, I, think, I, I think he can put up all-star numbers, but I think whether he's an all-star or not is based on how the other players – are and who's healthy at the break and um but i i do think he can put up all-star like numbers this year and when i say that i mean like 20 points uh 20 points per game 22 and a half ish points per game uh, yeah on like 40 percent shooting uh 35 plus from the three-point line do you think that either jabari or tari will play or will make the all-rookie first team at the end of the year um uh, my look it's Jabari is uh, more likely to make it than Tari. Um, I like Tari's chances for the second team. Um, you know, this, this like last year's rookie class, like Shangun could have been an all-rookie, but he wasn't because that's how good last year's rookie crop was. Mm-hmm. This year, I don't think the rookie crop is that uh, is as deep. Um, but if Tari can get the minutes, like that's my only concern about Tari is that he won't get enough minutes. Um to like kind of qualify for it um but i think that if if tari can weasel his way and bully his way into the rotation force steven silas to play him basically then yes i do think that tari could be um on the all rookie team just need a chance all right it's time to give your official prediction jeremy brenner number of wins this season okay so we've had 20 wins last last season i think we had 20 wins the year before no it was like how much i don't even know um i i've, I've crossed that out of my memory um i'll look it up wins, i'll look it up while you're, you're doing wins that. last season um i would say a successful season for me would be 30 wins and i think that is a bit lofty for this team but it's 17 it so they, sorry that's my apologies they went from 17 to 20 the last two years yeah, but also they had fewer games in that first year. But um, correct. That's besides the point. Um, yeah. I will say, you know, thirty wins sounds both challenging for this team, but also in a world where they're healthy and all that, it it, it appears doable. Um, and I think a ten win improvement um, is is definitely a sign in the right direction. So I'm gonna go with. I'm going to go with 28 wins. I think Ooh. 28 wins is probably that sweet spot um, where it, they, because this team is definitely better than a year before. However, I do think they will struggle um, to, you know, just they're going to face some teams where they are.
are just better than them, like from top to bottom. I think the Rockets are getting there, um, but I do think it's I think I do think this team is a couple years away. Um, so I'm gonna go with 28 just because I feel like they could hit 30, but I feel like injuries, all of like all of the you know the trials and tribulations of the season, it's gonna get to them. Um, but also like they're gonna get a lot of gimme games, I think. Oh, you like think San so? Antonio, like when they play San Antonio, when they play OKC. There's um, not a lot of gimmies in the league anymore, man. No, there's that's not. The I mean, uh, for the Rockets, there aren't. Um, yeah, that's fair. Um, I'm saying like in the conference. Like I'm thinking – like I, I do think they finished 12th in the conference. So like I'm trying to think of like what a 12th place team in the West would get. And I think 28 wins for a 12th place team in the West sounds a bit – too, too few, but so also la- I yeah. think every team except for Indiana in the East is better than the Rockets right now. So last so, year in the West, Sacramento came in 12th and they won 30 games. Okay. So yeah, it's not that far off. 28 yeah. is my final answer, Regis. Washington conversely in the Eastern conference won 35 games and they were in 12. Um, I'm going to go 24. I'm going to go 24. Ooh. Um, the thing about it is when you look at the West, the West is going to be really good this year. They're not. And what's crazy, Jeremy, is that the West is not going to be as good as the East. You look at the West, right? Phoenix is going to be just as good. I feel like as long as they have Monty Williams, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, they're going to be fine. I think, Uh, I think Phoenix takes a fall. I don't think, I I don't think they're number one this year. No, I don't think so either. I think they're a top 16. I think they're a top 16. You want to hear my hot take? I do. The number one team in the Western Conference this year will be the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, I'm going to – Okay. Anthony Edwards is going to be his best version of himself. Carl Anthony Towns is going to be his best version of himself. He's also going to be able to focus more on the offensive end because he's got Rudy Gobert, defensive player of the year right there. I love Minnesota this year, and I think that they might be in contention with Golden State and the Clippers for that top seed. I was gonna say the Clipper. The I'm gonna I'm gonna go my number one seed. I'm gonna go outside the box too. I'm gonna go with the Memphis Grizzlies. I like Memphis as well. I think that teams are gonna game plan for them a little bit better. Wow. Um, I I think Memphis is a top six team though. But, I mean, you look at the West, man. I mean, Phoenix, Memphis, Golden State, Dallas is going to be better this year, too. I think Dallas is either – is somewhere between five and eight. Yeah. Denver – you know, Denver was a sixth seed last year, but they get fully healthy. Denver's a top-four team. And Minnesota, they have Michael Porter back. They have Jamal yeah. Murray back. Yeah. And then, you you know, New Orleans, if Zion can stay healthy with Brandon Ingram, they're going to be better. Clippers are obviously going to be better. You still got the Lakers. So I'm going to go 24 wins. Um, I'm going to I'm going to give mine, and then I want you to give yours, and then we'll wrap the show up here in a couple. Yeah. Um, my hot take for this season with the Rockets, I don't think Silas makes it through the year, and I think Lionel Hollins takes over right around February. It would be my guess. That's my hot take, and I'd like to hear your hot take as well. But that's where I'm at with Silas. I, I, I don't think it's going to go well, man. And I'm not going into the season negative like that. And it may, it may sound like I am. That's just my official hot take prediction is 
I think there's a very specific reason why they brought in Lionel Hollins. I think it goes beyond just needing to improve the staff. I think internally, and I don't know anything. I don't have any inside sources when I say this. I'm just saying you don't bring in a guy like Lionel Hollins unless you have, I will call it extreme reservations about your head coach. Because Lionel Hollins is not taking an assistant job just that. to be an assistant. I don't think, okay. I don't think it's that. I, I think it's more, you know, he was available. He's, you know, great. He sure. has a lot of experience. Um, and, like, the Rockets didn't have another head coach on the staff. They had Hornacek last year. Hornacek's not with the club, not with the team anymore. So, Oh, thank um, God. My hot take <laughs> for this season. Um, it always felt weird him being here. Yeah, it, it did. Um, maybe maybe now that he's gone, maybe the Rockets will start to figure it out. Yeah, one can um, only hope. I I don't know if this is like a hot take because I could totally see this happening. But I think Jalen's gonna average twenty five this year. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, I I think I think Jalen gonna get to twenty five. Like just because um, you know he's he's gonna have he's gonna have the green light. Um, He's going to be able to kind of go for 30 on any given night. Like, I really think that that's kind of the player that he is at this point. And, like, the thing is, I don't know if it's, like, that hot of a take just because, like, obviously it's pretty bold. It's a hot take. It's a hot take because he only averaged 17 last year. So, I mean, if you jump up eight points a game, that's significant. I think, but – like, what did he average? I'm curious to see what he averaged after the All-Star break. Because he, he did mention, um, like, he did mention. I can get I can that, get it for you. Yeah. Because he mentioned last year that the All-Star break, being in the Rising Stars Challenge and kind of just being there and getting that reset in the middle of the year was significant for him to kind of, you know, okay, like, he built that confidence. So um, when was – All-Star break was, what, February, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the splits now. I think I can get it. Yeah, so um, basically you're looking at in the month of March last year, yeah, I mean, you can – on any given night, I mean, on March 1st, you went for 20, then 27, 18, 24, 20, 32, you know, 11, 17, 22, 20. And then he finished the year just incredibly strong. I mean, if you remember the game against Atlanta, he went for 41. You know, he played five games in the month of April, and four of those games he scored more than 30. So I don't think you're crazy to say that, but consistently for an entire year to be able to average 25 would be a massive upgrade in his game. Yeah, like, I mean, look, Jalen Green, um, like he's going to be playing – like there's no Christian Wood to feed, right? He's got, he's got, he's got the green. He's got to feed Boban now. Yeah. Yeah. But he can feed Boban in practice. Um, Like that's totally, like totally fine. Um, I really want to get this split, man. I want to, okay, here I got it. Okay. Um, Okay. Pre all-star. Okay. I have his, okay, perfect. Here we go. Pre all-star break. He averaged 14 points a game, 14.6 post all-star break 22. Yeah. So if he can get right. if he can go from twenty two to twenty five, I think it's doable. I, I mean, it, it's going to be a challenge. Don't get me wrong; it's hard for anybody to score uh, twenty five per game, let alone someone that's never done it before. But if anybody can do it, it's Jalen Green. Yeah, and I think that is a perfect place to park the rocket ship. We are so excited, you know, for the season to get started. Once again, 
Uh, we will be live on Spotify Live as soon as every single Rockets game is over. We may not go the minute after the game is over, but at some point that night, that day, we will be live to talk all things Rockets versus insert opponent here. Um, first game Wednesday night against Atlanta. So if you are on Twitter, make sure to head on over to uh, the at the Dream Take. Give us a follow there. You can follow the mothership of the Dream Take, the Dream Shake at Dream Shake SBN. You can follow my co-pilot Jeremy Brenner on Twitter at at J E R E M Y B R E N E R. You can follow my co-pilot Michael Brown on Twitter at. Mike Brown underscore 2020. If you're on Facebook, search The Dream Shake. Give us a like there. Finally, head on over to thedreamshake.com on any day that ends in Y for all things Houston Rockets all the time. We will talk with y'all on Wednesday night after the Rockets destroy the Atlanta Hawks to go 1-0 on this 2022-2023 campaign. And until next time, Rockets fans, go Rockets. Support for Pivot comes from Polestar. At Polestar, every inch of every vehicle they design is thoughtfully made. They're made to transform auto performance, accelerating from 0 to 60 in less than 4.2 seconds with fully electric all-wheel drive. They're made to elevate the driving experience with LED headlights and a panoramic glass roof. And they're made to uphold a greater responsibility to the planet using sustainable materials and energy-saving systems. The result is a car that combines the best of today with the technology of tomorrow. Pure performance, pure design, Polestar. Design yours and book a test drive today at polestar.com.